Welcome to week eight of Be Still and Know, a weekly devotional podcast for New Covenant Lutheran Church. I'm Clary Dees, and I'm glad you're listening today. Each episode of this podcast so far has been a little different. While each daily entry is based around the devotionals in the book, Be Still and Know, the specific Bible verses that have risen to the top and caught my attention after reading the devotionals have varied. I hope that perhaps from listening to the devotional podcast, you have also had even more scripture that's drawn you in as well. So we began this week on Memorial Day, a day that should be a reminder of the price of our freedom. Countless men and women have taken the brave step and made the decision to serve our country and, in the act, have lost their lives. Memorial Day, as you all know, is the day we remember or memorialize those people. Those people who gave everything so that we could be free. As Christians, we're of course familiar with another story very similar to that, right? Of course we are. Jesus sacrificed everything for us to be saved and did it willingly. This Memorial Day, I was thankful to have that reminder of all those that have been lost while trying to protect our freedoms and save us. The devotional from Monday talked about struggles and the way that God never sends us through struggling times without the promise of something new. I think that life is always about learning. Some lessons are easy and others not so much. But it's what we take from those lessons and how we then turn and use that experience to make us stronger, smarter, and more prepared for what's next is a true testament to what, is, what God is saying here. The scripture reading to go along with Monday's devotional was from Isaiah 66, 9. And the translation in the devotional leans itself well to this message of struggle and reward afterwards. However, when you read the full chapter of Isaiah 66 in the NLT version, it translates a little differently. In the NLT chapter, God's telling his people, again, for who knows how many times he's told us already, telling his people how to live, and essentially how to follow him and not worship other idols. But he is also talking specifically about Jerusalem, and that focus is of the text in Isaiah 66, 9. It says, Would I ever bring this nation to the point of birth and then not deliver it? Asks the Lord. No, I would never keep this nation from being born, says your God. The scripture then goes on to talk about birth pains and how through that pain, Jerusalem will rise. Interesting, I think, that we were led to this scripture this week on a day memorializing those who have lost everything in battle to protect our country, when the country that was the homeland of Christianity is in such turmoil and experiencing warfare right now. I really don't know what to make of this, honestly, but I'm sure that it's not a coincidence. So I ask you who are listening to pray on this, Read this chapter of Isaiah and see if God brings you some clarity, some clarity to the importance of this text about suffering and then the promise of something new. Tuesday this week brought us a new month and the promise of restoration in Jesus. We heard the story in Luke chapter 8 about the child who they were sure was dead. And then when Jesus went to her and asked her to wake up, she responded to him as if she was just asleep. 
We read in the devotional about how Jesus wants us to know him and to put our hope in him the same way that the child did. But to do that, our hearts need to be open to it. And for some reason, we find that somewhat difficult. I spent some time thinking and praying on that this week and asking the question, why? Why do we find it hard to completely open up our hearts like the child did? I came up with two possibilities. First, perhaps, it's because of sin and shame and feeling like we can't completely open up to Jesus because we'll be exposed, which is silly because he knows us in and out. So then the second possibility I came up with, which I think is perhaps more likely, is that we're overwhelmed by how much Jesus loves us and then find it hard to believe that we're worthy of putting all of our hopes and dreams of restoration in him. There are many verses in the Bible that point out the hope that there is in Jesus for us. And some that I like are Isaiah 40, 31. And that says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar like wings on eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I also like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, For know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. It's spelled out for us many other times in Scripture too. So, like many things in life, we just have to trust. We have to be still and know that He is God and He wants us to put all of our hopes in him and the plans that he has for us. By midweek this past week, I was starting to see a pattern in the devotional. The prior week was a lot about our sin and how Jesus washed that away for us. And now this week, the pattern was all about how Jesus loves us and wants to bring us into full life and a life full of hope in him. Wednesday's reading talks about being able to break the chains of hopelessness and defeat daily if we need to and walk in a life with Jesus. Walk in a life that's free. I find myself singing another hymn from elementary school in my head as I write that. I can't remember much of it, but one of the lines says, There is freedom in Jesus Christ, and then we clap our hands three times after we sung it. For those who have perhaps not heard the episode when I shared about my schooling, I went to elementary school in the UK. And while it was a public school, we had a daily hymn and prayer assembly. It was pretty cool. Okay, back to the message on Wednesday. So something that stood out in the writing was that we need to hear the truth of Christ's promise. I felt an overwhelming sense that it's not good enough to say, I'm a Christian. I'm a member of a church and call it good. To truly hear the truth of Jesus, we have to be listening for him. To properly listen, and I mean really listen, we have to be in a place both mentally and physically to do that. I've talked a few times in this series about listening and how it's not the same for me from week to week. Some weeks, God will get your attention in big ways and in others, not so big. And it's the not-so-big weeks when you really have to be paying attention to him. So, a question to ask yourself today is, 
am I paying attention? God knows our hearts and he knows when we're paying attention. The relationship you have with God is private, between you and God. But just like any relationship you have, it has to be cultivated. Like the fields I talked about last week. Relationships need attention, care, time, and focus. Just like the fields need water, sunlight, cultivated soil, and good seeds. Jesus wants us all to experience the freedom he gave to us when he was crucified. But it has to be a two-way street. I'm no relationship expert, but I do know for sure that a one-sided relationship is doomed to fail. The devotional on Wednesday said, All we need to do is get on our knees and pray. I.e., talk to God. I like the first few verses in Matthew 6 with the instructions on how to go to God in prayer. It literally says, go in your room, close the door, and please don't babble on and on, just get to the point. Mm, Perhaps I should take that part as a hint. (laughs) So I loved the detail in the description of the castle on Thursday this week in the reading. I was able to close my eyes and picture the white turrets and the lake and the opulent interior as I read the devotional, and it was beautiful. I could hear the crackling of a fireplace and feel its warmth as I read. But what I found interesting was that when it talked about the king and realizing he was our father and rushing up to hug him, I could feel the warmth, but I couldn't see a face. This got me pondering. What? does the face of God look like? We have an idea how Jesus would have looked when he lived on earth as a man, but I'm not convinced that that's how God would look in heaven. Illustrators sometimes draw God as an old man with a white beard, likely because of the description of the Son of Man in Revelation 1, um, verses 14 and 15, where it says, His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. Honestly though, that image makes me think of Dumbledore from Harry Potter. In John four twenty four, Jesus said, For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So if we believe this, said by Jesus, then perhaps we are to think that God doesn't have a form or a face. When we look further into scripture for writing about God's form, you can see in Exodus when God is talking to Moses and he says, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. Does this mean that God does have an appearance? But it's so much more than we could take in and comprehend as humans that he can't show it to us? Maybe. Each time in the Bible when God appears to someone, the exact appearance of him isn't detailed. What we read instead is what they felt like or how the whole area would be bathed in a glow or white hot so they couldn't see anything. The more I think about this, the more I can see why, when I was picturing the king in the castle during the devotion, I couldn't see his face. 
Perhaps it's because the absolute and incredible perfection that is the creator of all things is something so amazing that our brains just cannot comprehend it. Are you able to picture what God looks like? Or maybe you're more like me and can feel the warmth and see his hand moving over your life, but not actually comprehend what he looks like. That's something else that you can ponder and pray on this week. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That scripture, as I'm sure you know, is from Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And it's what was brought to my heart after I read the devotional message this Thursday. We read about those times in life when old wounds are opened up and we feel that pain again. And then taking that pain to God, for he is a safe space for us to do that. Every now and then, I'm sure that we've experienced what the devotional text is talking about. Something from today suddenly reminds you of an event in the past that left a wound and it's like you've been transported back to that time and those painful emotions bubble to the surface. As I thought about this some more, Moses came to mind. We start to read about him in Exodus 2 through 5, how he was born in secret and found by the river and taken in by Pharaoh's daughter and brought up to be a prince. And then as a grown man, he discovers the way the Israelites are being treated and watches an Egyptian beat one of them. And then he steps in and kills the Egyptian, after which he then flees from Egypt. I'm sure you guys know this story, but I think the reminder is important for the devotional text. So after Moses has fled, of course, he marries. And then years later, he is called by God as a burning bush to return to Egypt face Pharaoh and tell him to free the Israelites. I bring up the story of Moses because I can't help but wonder, when God told him to go back and speak to Pharaoh, was there some apprehension there because of what he had done? Did God perhaps open those old wounds of guilt and shame for killing the Egyptian? Now, we don't know that because the Bible doesn't reference it, but it could make sense. Moses was apprehensive to go to Egypt, begged God to send someone else, and even though he was annoyed at the request, God sends Aaron along with Moses to speak on his behalf. I think that this act shows what the devotional text referenced, that God is a safe space and he will be there as we work through those old wounds, whatever they are whether they were wounds that were inflicted upon us or wounds that we created with our own actions. God loves us regardless and is there for us at each turn. I also think there is a piece of this that's a lesson. God is a good father, one who teaches his children. The devotional text and the story of Moses show us that We must do what we can in life to heal all of our wounds so that we can move on and do great things. When the day comes, God wants us to look back on our lives without regret or guilt or pain. As you and I know, it's not easy to open up and dive into old wounds. And sometimes 
they run pretty deep. But like the story of Moses tells us, when we're nervous or apprehensive about stepping into those old wounds, God is there to strengthen us so that we can see it through, whatever it is. Just as I shared at the start of the review of this text from Matthew 11, God says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If only we could really take the rest in that message in the way that God wants us to. The devotional text for Saturday this week flowed directly from me from this verse in Matthew. On Saturday, we read about stress and how oftentimes when we're worried or stressed about something, we reach for comfort, which obviously means something different to everyone. Sometimes it's food, sometimes exercise, sometimes a darkened room, and for others, something totally different. For me, it's sleep. Every time without fail, when I have additional stressors going on, my body wants to shut down and hibernate. The devotional reminded us this week that we should turn to God in this stressful time. Instead of closing up and inwards towards ourselves, we should be turning to God. There are many places in the Bible where we can read about the protections placed over us, but one that stood out to me was in Isaiah 35. In the NLT Bible, we read in Isaiah 35 verse 4, Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. In today's world, I see enemies not so much as foes in battle, but these everyday stresses. These are our enemies. We know that the troubles in our lives are sent to try us. And we have God in our corner to help us out. So why don't we lean on him more? Something concerning I think we see in the world today is that stress, especially stress from being overworked and overscheduled, is worn almost like a badge of honor on social media. I could probably do a whole podcast episode on this, but for today we'll keep it shorter. The point that I'm feeling called to explore a little bit today is that the more we allow social media to have importance in our lives, the more we're shutting God out. That's a scary thought and one that I am becoming more and more aware of. Why do we feel the need to wear our stress as a badge? It reminds me of Matthew 6 verses 5 and 6 that say, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray to your father in private, then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. I realize that this verse talks about prayer specifically and is not related to stress and wearing that stress as a badge. But something in there called out to me as being related. We should take our stress to God in the same way as we take our prayer, direct and personal. It's the best way that he can help us and a great way for us to strengthen that relationship with him. Our last reading this week ties into that similar thread. 
Sunday's devotional was called Security Blanket and it essentially describes something our younger daughter has. She's six and has a frog stuffed animal that she's had since the day she was born. She doesn't carry it around all the time with her anymore, but Froki, that's the name of the frog, is her lovey. And she'll tell you that she needs to have it in order to sleep. The lovey for us is a frog, but it's a security blanket for a lot of children. As adults, of course, we grow out of that. And because of the influence of the world, we're led to believe that we have to face everything on our own, without a lovey, without a security blanket. But God says, no way. We don't have to do that because he is our security blanket. What if we were to lean on him the way a child leans on their lovey? Isaiah 41.10 says, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. I've said it a few weeks running now, but God's got our back, and he's showing us over and over again with these pieces of scripture. He wants us to lean on him, to go to him when we're stressed, talk to him when we're hopeful, and live out the life that Jesus died for. Something that I'm noticing with these podcasts, while there are threads that carry from day to day, because I'm diving into each day individually, my general focal point tends to bounce around a bit from one day to the next, which also means I'm really bouncing around within scripture. Personally, I'm really enjoying it because we're exploring all sorts of reading and messages in the Bible, but I do find myself wondering if those of you listening are comfortable following that bouncing around. I would love for you to let me know. You can email the church, you can send a Facebook message to the church page with your thoughts, but I would really love to get some feedback on that. I hope that this week you're able to lean into God to hear what he has to share with you, to see him working in your life, and follow wherever he might lead you. Thanks for listening. Amen.